welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 160. The little girl looked at the animals. She looked up at Shadow, and then she ran off, her feet pounding the sidewalk as if all the powers of hell were after her. The two animals watched her go. The crane-like man had reached to the dog. He leaned down and scratched its high-pointed ears. Come on, said the man in the gold-rimmed spectacles to the dog. It was only a coin trick. It's not like he was doing an underwater escape. Not yet, said the dog, but he will. The golden light was done, and the gray of twilight had begun. Shadow dropped the coin and the folded bill back into his pocket. Okay, he said. Which one of you is Jackal? Use your eyes, said the black dog with the long snout. This way. It began to amble along the sidewalk, beside the man in the gold-rimmed glasses, and after a moment's hesitation, Shadow followed them. The cat was nowhere to be seen. They reached a large old building on a row of boarded-up houses. The sign along the door said Ibis and Jackal, a family firm, funeral parlor since 1863. I'm Mr. Ibis, said the man in the gold-rimmed glasses. I think I should buy you a spot of supper. I'm afraid my friend here has some work that needs doing. And that's our page, short page to end Shadow's portion of the chapter here. On this page, we have Jackal getting a bit of a prophecy out about Shadow, that Shadow has not done an underwater escape yet, but he will. It's one of those little details, again, that I completely missed probably every other time I read the book until I started really considering what some of the characters were saying. So yes, we will get to an underwater escape much further down the way in the novel, but for now, just keep that in mind. And this seems like a good place to start discussing the uh, Egyptian gods here, at least a little bit before we get a little further into their chapter on the next, uh, well, it's about a week away, because for the next week we'll be doing another Coming to America chapter. Section? Category? Something. Anyhow. Mr. Ibis is the American representation of the Egyptian god Thoth, or is it Toth? I'm not sure. Either way, it loosely translates to he who is like the Ibis, so that's pretty on the nose there. Or on the beak, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh... Thoth was the scribe of the gods and is credited with the invention of writing and hieroglyphics. Let's take that one again. Hieroglyphics. He's also credited with the creation of astronomy, medicine, botany, and quite a few other things. Most importantly for our purposes, magic as well. Also of note for the novel here, Thoth was originally a moon god. He's typically depicted as a man with the head of an ibis. And I guess maybe I should define what an ibis is at this point. An ibis is a tall wading bird, most identifiable because it has a long, curved downward bill and a long neck with very long legs. Kind of like a... Well, if I knew my birds better. No, I don't know birds. You could almost almost kind of like a flamingo with the long legs or almost like a stork or something similar. There's currently 28 living species of ibis as well as two extinct species. Jackal is the American representation of the god Anubis, a man with the head of a jackal. Most commonly, Anubis is associated with the preparation of the dead via mummification and was also known as the guardian of the scales. He would weigh the heart of a dead person to determine if they were worthy of entering the world of the dead, known as Duat. If a person's good deeds outweighed the bad, the heart would not weigh more than an ostrich feather, and that would be both would be placed on the scale. If it did... Uh, if they had done good deeds, they would be allowed to ascend to the world of the dead. If not, well, they would meet a very hungry goddess named Emmet. But we'll we'll talk 
We'll talk about her a little bit later on. We don't need to get into that right now, I guess. The sign of the funeral home states that the parlor existed since 1863, and that's a very long time, even in a homegrown funeral business like this one. In 1862, General Ulysses Grant occupied the town, and it became an important supply base for the Union Army, but I can't find a specific reference to 1863 itself. I assume that since the Civil War had come to Cairo in 1862, then they would be in need of funeral people undertakers, preparation of the dead, things like that. So it kind of makes sense that not long after the war comes, well, then you got to have the people that are going to prepare the dead, don't you? There'll be more discussion a little bit later on, actually probably after we get through the Coming to America section, I think. But there's um, there's often been thoughts that there was a connection between Egypt and the Americas, but as I was kind of poking around, at least for this week's notes, I wasn't able to come up with a whole lot of concrete evidence. But like I said, we will come back around to it in about a week. We can discuss it a little more then. Maybe I'll have found a little bit better evidence to support what the book is going to assert pretty shortly. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash worldbeyondpodcast. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.